0: So last time on the show we debuted um, our two spin-off shows, Cortec and Caretex. And I just wondered if you had happened upon the artwork that has been created for those two shows. We're nearly there now for launch. Is that all that's required for
1: a new podcast is it just simply some fantastic artwork? Is that the is that the first step towards making a new podcast?
0: Once the artwork is made, and if the artwork is good, at that point you have to do the show because you've got the artwork. That's the way that I look at it anyway. That is
1: not the way I look at it. But I like this Cortec CareTech
0: artwork. But
1: just to be clear, in my terms of service, this does not obligate me to actually doing new shows.
0: Is this just step one? No,
1: it's, it's step zero, Mike. God,
0: okay. Have you seen this mechanical iPad Pro keyboard that's been going around the internet <laughs> the last few days? Why, indeed, I have, Mike. Indeed, I have. It's made by Razer, and Razer—they make like gaming PCs, right? Like that, and, and peripherals. I think they're more of like a gaming company.
1: Yeah, they make very cool-looking gaming peripheries. Yeah, and yeah, they're—they're they're very awesome-looking stuff.
0: Like with lots of lights, and and it's all customizable, and, and loads of crazy stuff you can do with it.
1: Yep, lots of green and blue neon. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't have a really solid piece of gaming equipment unless it is neon green or blue.
0: I'm looking at their website right now at the Razer Black Widow Chroma.
1: (laughs) See, that's an amazing name. (laughs) I have never seen
0: something so insane. Just go to this URL and just check out the GIF that they've got running at the top. Okay, let me look at this thing. (laughs) nobody needs that computer to do this (laughs) or actually maybe everybody does
1: i think everybody does For, for for the listener it's a it's a keyboard the reason they're calling it the chroma is it looks like it it will dance rainbow colors across and around all of the keys so they must have a whole bunch of leds behind all of the keys so it's a dancing rainbow across your keyboard it looks awesome yeah,
0: I kind of want one. This is this is how they get you. Exactly.
1: I have I have been on their site. I have known about them because every once in a while, I'll remember some piece of gaming equipment or gear and I'll, I'll look at their website and I'll think, ooh, it all looks so cool. I've never actually bought one because I just don't have any real need for this stuff, but it's always very tempting.
0: Well, I've uh, often considered a gaming mouse. Mm-hmm. Um And a friend of the show, underscore David Smith, suggested this to me when I was having RSI problems mm-hmm. because the programmable buttons are way yeah. easier to, to trigger mm-hmm. and they're made for that. So I've considered it like, you know, one of those ones that have, looks like basically buttons have been vomited onto the mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've considered it, but uh, I haven't done it yet just because I love my, my Wacom and trackpad setup so much. But if I ever decide to go back to mice again, I'm going to look into gaming mice.
1: Yes, well I also I also like their names. They have the Death Adder Chroma. Oh wow uh, yeah. as a name for a mouse. There's the
0: Diamondback. There's the Abyss.
1: <laughs> these are fantastic names as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's the Death Adder Chroma is an ergonomic <laughs> mouse too. How can you not how can you not buy it? And that? it's also got rainbow LEDs in it. Oh, man, <laughs> I'm going to drive everyone crazy. You get, you just get it, take it to a co-working space. You get the Chroma keyboard and the Chroma mouse, and you're just having a little rave in the corner.
1: The Ouroboros wireless gaming mouse. That one looks pretty awesome. Look at this thing. I have to send this to you. i tell
0: you how you know you're on a gaming website when all of the photos of the mice have cords on them.
1: Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> that's
0: how you know you're looking at gaming peripherals,
1: right? Oh, I don't like this one. It's got a snake. Yeah, but look at it. It's like it's like a badass transformer mouse. It
0: looks like Batman's mouse.
1: Yeah, it looks like it looks like the Batmobile in terms of a
0: mouse. Yeah, I kind of want this one now. Right, with, with lots of sharp edges to cut
1: your hands, but it doesn't matter because you're a gaming pro. But oh
0: uh, but this one doesn't have rainbow
1: LEDs on it. So yeah, but it comes with a snake apparently, if the picture is to be believed. I don't want it. I really don't want it.
0: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> see, but this is this is
1: we're getting distracted by all of all of the cool looking gamer gear. You can't you can't help but be distracted.
0: <laughs> so Razer have made a keyboard case
1: mm-hmm. for
0: the iPad Pro twelve point nine inch, mm-hmm. where the keyboard side of the case. Features a mechanical switch keyboard that they have created. It is a mechanical key design of their own design. It's ultra low profile, right? It's not the big, huge clicky keyboards like you have. Can you demonstrate clicky keyboards for the listener, Gray?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, this is me typing on a clicky keyboard i don't know if you can hear that
0: or you can not. hear like that that has a deep switch on it right like there's, like, i don't know like it's got like some hollowness to it and i expect that this isn't that um, and i'll put a link in the show notes to uh, a video that austin evans did on youtube kind of testing it out and you can kind of hear it and it it basically sounds like a laptop keyboard right yeah and it looks like it's got a bit more travel on it it's thicker uh, but the thing that interests me the most about this is it comes with like a a stand, there's like two parts. It's the keyboard part, which can be detached from the stand slash case part. Mm-hmm. And the case, the stand on the case can be put into multiple different viewing angles. That's what interests me. Mm-hmm. Because the smart keyboards, they have terrible viewing angles. <sighs> yeah, it's... This is one of those products that
1: I'm interested in, but I would totally just have to handle it in person. and because- Sure. Yeah, because it, it's just There's no amount of the most amazing video review of this thing, doesn't convey the information that you need to know. Yep. with a keyboard, so much of it is the feel of it, right? how how much do you actually like typing on the thing? How much better are those mechanical switches? Like, I it, it, I might who knows I might actually not like typing on a mechanical keyboard that has very low travel. Like maybe my brain is super used to the idea of clicky switches have huge amounts of travel. Um, like, the, you know, my keyboard, it has a lot of depth when I press each of those buttons. There's also questions of weight. I just have to say, I think it's a really interesting product. I think it is really interesting that a company is even estimating that there is a market for this. That they put the money into product development. Exactly. That That's what I find is very interesting about this. And what I really like about this is I feel like it's a little indication of companies willing to do crazy extra stuff for the pro market using the big iPad Pro. Yeah. Like, I am glad this thing exists. Uh, I would love to try it out in person to see what it is like. But I'm, I'm even gladder that someone is willing to roll the dice on this thinking there might actually be a market of people who want to buy a mechanical keyboard for their iPad Pro.
0: Yep. Like I don't think I want this. I think that the Smart Keyboard is fine for me, mm-hmm. but I do want to try it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like that it would be so thick and so heavy. Like it will be like carrying a laptop instead of an iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm interested in giving it a go. But um, it isn't easy. It doesn't seem easy to get my hands on, or at least to try. Like if it was on Amazon, which it's not mm-hmm. right now, at least in the UK, mm-hmm. I would have just got it because it would be here in a day and I could return it. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like I'm going, I'm keeping my eye on the electronic stores when I'm out and about to see if they've got one in there, you know, so I can actually try typing on it. I could tell you what probably won't have it, which is the Apple Store. I'd be very surprised if the Apple Store carries this, which it should, mm-hmm. because this is a, a pro accessory for their product. But I think Apple probably doesn't like that they're not using the smart connector because they're, they're using Bluetooth. Yeah. But the Bluetooth is a bit of a
1: feature, though, because it allows you to have the screen disconnected from the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And for years and years, when I was writing on my iPad, before smart keyboard covers and iPad Pros existed, I was using a Bluetooth keyboard with an iPad. And that was a really great feature, being able to separate the screen from the keyboard to not have to have my hands right up against the edge of it. And that's one thing I actually do get kind of annoyed with some apps on the iPad Pro of how you are typing at the very bottom of the screen and your, your own hands can get in the way of looking at the words that you're trying to type. Yeah. So sometimes it's nice to have a bit of space between the screen and, and the keyboard. So using Bluetooth, I, I could actually see them sitting in a, in a meeting room somewhere and deciding entirely not for licensing reasons or anything, but that they want to go Bluetooth for that feature, that they don't want to use the smart connector. I think
0: part of the reason they might have done the Bluetooth is because they wanted the keys to be backlit. And if you need the keys to be backlit, it has to have a battery in it anyway, so they might as well go the Bluetooth route. Right, exactly. Like you, you have to go down. You have to go down this path. Um,
1: I, I suspect that the weight in this one would be a killer for me. Yeah. Because I think, I think think the iPad Pro is already right on the edge of what I'm willing to carry around. I agree. So, like this past summer when I was doing all of my travels, I. Was using primarily the iPad Pro, and when I am traveling, I don't normally do it, but when I'm traveling, I put the um, the back case on uh, the iPad Pro, mm. the whatever it is, like the silicon silicone, silicone uh,
0: back case thing, the super expensive thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, the ridiculous one, but that does fit very nicely with the smart keyboard cover, mm-hmm. and. I do that mainly because I'm thinking I'm going to be moving this thing around a lot. I'm traveling and this is this is a really, like I vastly increased the probability of dropping this and so I want to have a bit more protection. But I was really aware that the iPad Pro with the back case and the keyboard cover, I don't want to carry a thing that's grams heavier than that. That is absolutely right at the edge of what I want to be carrying around anyway.
0: Yeah, whenever I take the keyboard cover off, I'm always surprised how light it is. Mm-hmm. Which is frustrating, but it's just because it's so much material, which actually brings me on to another question that I have and you probably know what I'm gonna ask you here. you tweeted nope. a picture the other day of your baby your baby pro uh-huh. sitting in the keyboard cover of the big pro yep what you what are you doing i'm I'm typing comfortably that's what i'm doing do you have you tried or like for a long period of time the smaller nine point seven keyboard cover yeah
1: yeah, I, I def, I, I definitely did. I tried the smaller keyboard cover. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's totally fine. But I would prefer to use the bigger one.
0: Right. But why don't you just use a Bluetooth keyboard? Like, if in this scenario, why are you using the case? I'm using the case because
1: that that particular iPad, the little the little baby Pro, I'm often just using it on the couch, and it's really comfortable sitting on the couch while watching TV to use the full size keyboard cover to have the thing in my lap to type on like it's just okay. it's very convenient right it's a single little piece plus with the keyboard case I don't have to worry about charging it it's I just find it it's a very comfortable experience and and I want to reiterate again that whoever is on the design team for the the keyboard cases for these iPads it's just an, it's an incredible incredible job without a doubt that is the keyboard that I type the most on uh is is like that that keyboard cover And I just absolutely love it. Like, I think it's a really fantastic
0: keyboard. Same. I use them both, right? Because my iPad Pros are both in the cases, the Mm -hmm. the keyboard cases. And I love both keyboards. I think Mm -hmm. they're both great. Um, It is more cramped than 9.71, but you adjust, I adjust to it at least surprisingly fast. I can go from one to the other and I barely even notice. Mm -hmm. I just really, really, really wish they would give me a UK layout. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why it's so difficult for them to do this, but they haven't done this and it's nearly been a year now. Well, you know, it's not my problem. American layout is clearly superior at return key. No. It's fantastic. No. No, fantastic. it's for chumps. It's easier it's easier
1: to hit. You have to move your pinky less to hit the return key on the US keyboard. It's great. No. No. Not I, I no. will actually argue that it is the superior layout. I know but you that will. but that is but that aside, this is the big problem for anybody who wants to compete with uh, what what am I going to use for a keyboard on my iPad Pro? Is that I really, really like the keyboard cover that Apple makes. I think it, yep. it's fantastic. It's really light. I never have to pow- power it. I never have to worry about connecting it. It just, it wins on every
0: level. The convenience of it makes up for all of the things you might not like about it, right? <laughs> Like, the fact that it's not... The switches aren't amazing, right? That there isn't a lot of travel on the keys. For me, like, I don't even notice that because I'm so happy about the fact that it's always there.
1: Yeah, it's always there. I think that the... Whoever designed those keys, I, I always compare it to... It's, it's almost like... um, Almost like typing on, on bubble wrap or something. It's like the yeah. keys have a little bit of pop to them.
0: I like the sound that they make.
1: Yeah. And that, that little bit of pop, whatever is inside those keys, it conveys a feeling of satisfaction when you're typing that is similar although not the same to an actual mechanical keyboard in a way that i think that um the traditional dome cap keys don't have any kind of satisfaction when you type on them so i like i i think that the the ipad built in keyboard is is it's really fantastic i really like it uh the the biggest thing is what you said before that you don't have the ability to adjust the viewing angle, which is a pain. Yeah. And it's particularly a pain if you're trying to FaceTime with someone while using that because it, the the angle is just ridiculously far back for the camera, right? So the person's always looking at the very top of your head. So you have to like stuff it up on a pillow or something. You have to like rearrange the the iPad to make FaceTime work with it. But it's like that is the only thing that I don't like. And so I'm curious to see this Razer keyboard, but it's, it's going to be incredibly hard to displace the iPad keyboard, uh, the built-in one already. So, but I'm glad it exists.
0: I'm glad someone made it. I'm glad Razer made it. There should be more rainbow LEDs on it, though.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised it's not called, like, the Razer Skull Death Mechanical
0: Keyboard for iPad Pro. The Snake Venom (laughs) Sidewinder. Yeah. For the iPad. (laughs)
1: This week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. It's like Kingdom, but with a P. Pingdom's job is to make sure that your website stays up. Do you run your own website? Do you run your own service online? Well, Pingdom uses more than 70 global test servers to evaluate that your site is working the way that it should as often as every minute they can check not just that your website is up but that your contact forms are working that your e-commerce checkouts are working that logins are working that search functionality is working just about every part of your site they can test to make sure that it is up and if it breaks they will let you know right away if you're running your own service to sell stuff on the internet You want to know when something's not working, when suddenly the money stops. Without Pingdom, how are you going to find out? I don't know, some random customer sends you an email about it 16 hours later to let you know about all of the money that you've been missing out on? Yeah, I guess they'll email you if that contact form on your website is working, but maybe that's broken too. You've got to make sure that this stuff is working because the internet breaks all the time. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages. That's 400,000 problems every day. Data centers break, you update some part of your website, and you don't realize that it breaks some other totally seemingly unrelated but actually deeply interconnected part of your website. Pingdom detects the outage so you'll immediately be alerted so you can fix the error before it affects you and before it affects your users. When someone comes to your website to buy something, you want to know that it is up and that it is available for them to literally give you money. Now, for listeners of Cortex, you can get a 14-day free trial when you go to Pingdom.com and use offer code Cortex. But not only is it a 14-day trial, you'll also get 20% off at checkout. Pingdom.com, offer code Cortex.
0: We have not done a hiring update on the show for a while. Mm. You hadn't mentioned anything to me about this for a while um, in any of our conversations. So I figured Mm. it was best to not ask you about it. Excellent, Mike. I know you'd been traveling. So I figured, okay, maybe Gray doesn't want to talk about this. But then you put out a video Mm? um, about Brexit, which was much demanded of you. Uh, and you put that video out because everybody needs the gray logic in this. And um, do they? as somebody who is concerned, unhappy and uncomfortable about Brexit, uh, hearing your betting odds made me feel a lot better about it all. But I noticed something almost immediately in this video. What did you notice, Mike? I could tell it wasn't you. Oh, oh really? How, how how do you think you know that it wasn't me? There's a couple of things. Okay. One that many people I saw in the Reddit noticed. Fingers on people's arms. You've never done that before. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I noticed was the fluidity of the animation. That was the biggest change. So things were moving differently. There was less movement by just like jump cut. There was more like actual movement in the slides. And one of the big tells for me was, I think it's at one point... Either the grey character or somebody moves an arm mm-hmm. and it moves in a non-CGP grey way. There's just little movements. And also, like, the illustration of the big red button, mm-hmm. that isn't something you do. I'm watching a video right now in case you couldn't tell. Oh,
1: okay. Is that what you're doing? You're going the through
0: it. Face. The whistling uh-huh. face? Grey wouldn't animate the whistling face. Uh huh. Because yeah, when I watch this video, it's what makes sense to me as to which type of style should have won out in your submission, which Mm -hmm. is the, if CGP Grey truly cared about animation to the point that he wanted to learn more skills in it, this is how it would look like. So it's your style. Everything looks like you drew it, right? Like the, the stick figures are all there. It's not a wild departure. But the animation of all the characters looks more alive and more fluid. And it's just like the next step. But because... For you, the videos are in the work that you do in the scripts. Mm -hmm. And the animation is just to help bring the script to life. Putting that amount of effort and time into learning how to animate in this different way just was never in your view. But if you have somebody who does this, they're able to just bring it to life a little bit more and add a bit more fluidity to the motion, which I can totally see in these. You're so confident that I didn't animate it. I'm 100% confident. (laughs) The interesting thing to me is I don't quite know what you mean. Oh, also speculation time, which is the best thing that you've put in any video of all time. (laughs) Speculation time is my entire life right now. That rainbow (laughs) My word, so
1: good. <laughs> we can get back to speculation time.
0: <laughs> like I don't know what you mean
1: by fluid because I know the timeline of this video and there are only I think two or three moments that aren't just static images on the screen. So when you keep saying more fluid, like I'm not quite sure what you think you're seeing there, but it is actually a a very large series of static images. There's only three things that I think are actually animated. Uh, the little the little country girls popping out of the United Kingdom. Speculation time: Rainbow is animated. It wipes in on the screen, and there's one other one other little moment that's animated. Everything else is a is a still shot. Let
0: me give you an example of what I mean by fluidity, which is in the cuts, mm-hmm. which is in the little parts that happen that aren't necessary. So, for example, quite early in the video, you're sitting behind your desk and something changed on the screen behind you, and your arm goes from bent to straight to point at it, mm-hmm. I just don't think that's something you would have done. Mm-hmm. So it's like it adds more life to the video. And when I say fluid, that's kind of what I mean. There's mm-hmm. more happening. There are more little movements. There's less still. Mm-hmm. Like There's just little, little elements change. Like Again, like the whistling thing. It's not necessary, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And then also just an illustration quality that's higher than yours, which is like, for example, the betting cap. Mm-hmm. The, or what would you call it? Little visor. It just looks kind of out of place in the CGB Grey flat world because mm-hmm. it's got like a little shine to it and stuff. So these are the <laughs> things that make me 100% certain that you did not do the illustration and animation for this video. So am I right? So confident you are, Mike. So mm-hmm. confident. And yes, you are
1: right about okay. that. This this was the first video that someone else did ninety-nine point five percent of the animation for this. There was just a a tiny amount that I changed at the last second, a couple little frames, but essentially this was entirely done by a different person. I All handed right. over a bunch of my assets for them to work uh, with. Okay. So I handed over the assets that I had created of me at the desk. Uh, A few of the things that I normally use, fonts, I handed over the country girls file, uh, a a bunch of uh, like style guide kind of uh, elements. Um, But I was working with somebody else to create the animation for this video. So
0: you are right. You're right, Mike. I want to come back to the assets, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's an important question in this, which is, is the hiring process over? Not exactly. I am in parallel
1: trying a few things with a few different people mm-hmm. uh, is is what's going on. And there's there are some things that might come out in the future which are done in a different way. There are some things that are just being tested. So, strictly speaking, no, the, the hiring process is not over at this stage. Well,
0: I guess it depends on your interpretation of my question. I think you're answering this in, like, I haven't found my first employee. But... Are you still looking for suggestions from people? Are you still going through any of that? Or do you have, like, at least a few people where you're like, they are good enough that I will use them?
1: I am still refining down the list of people who I would want to work with in the future.
0: But you have at least obviously found someone who fits the bill a- a- at a base level.
1: So, yes, the, 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 in that in that sense, yes, I have found uh, so far at least one person who I would be
0: happy to work with in right. the future. Because, you know, like, I want to see it go further, but that, that requires maybe different people as well. Like, I want, You can
1: never never be satisfied. You can never satisfy well, the people, right? It's just like further, further, more, more. I still
0: think there's more that can be done, right? Mm-hmm. So, I assume that you put some constraints on this video, but I would love to see more animation mm-hmm. in your videos, than, than what we have here as well so I mean I'm hoping that you continue to push it. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be Pixar Studios eventually that's where this is going Mike
0: Why not it's gonna
1: be why not <laughs> this is gonna be hair animated on monster skins it's Sky's be, the limit you know, baby
0: why you know why, why box yourself in The entire video is shot under CGI Water. You can do like what Pixar do, you know. You can take your animation team snorkeling, so you can understand the way that fish move. You can do all of that.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's the end game for Grey Industries, without a doubt. Yeah, that's how that's that's going to work. Don't limit yourself, Grey. Field trips to Harvard to see what universities are like. Yeah, yeah. This, this is how this is going to
0: go. Go and tour <laughs> classrooms, so they can really understand how to animate the
1: whiteboard. <laughs> I really do think that stuff matters, but that's a whole other issue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like, yes, Ed, Ed Camel, I actually do think that is a very legitimate business expense. If you're going to animate Monsters Inc., is take everybody to Harvard. Oh, I completely I agree. 100% agree. It sounds crazy, but I think he's right. I think he was right to do that.
0: There was no Apple Pencil on the desk. uh
1: there? Yes, that was. I was totally aware of that, and it was. I was kind of shaking my fist afterward. I was very upset. I handed over the asset file that has the old. I think it's. I think that's the iPad Four on my desk there.
0: I can tell. Um, it's an old one because i remember the day where you were working on animation and you very proudly sent me a screenshot with the pencil on the on the ipad and i think i think you just sent me attention to detail or something like that
1: <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah so through a, a slight asset mix-up
0: uh i did it oh i did end up with uh, an old ipad on the desk this is one of those times where you really wish YouTube could let you swap out the video. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I really do, right? <laughs> listen, listen,
1: YouTube. Like, I absolutely have to change the iPad on the desk. You don't, you don't understand how important this is to me and four other people in the world who notice that I very slowly update the set of tools that I use on well, my desk. Because <laughs> now it's
0: like you're a time traveler. Mm-hmm. Because you're you're now talking about Brexit with an iPad four. Mm-hmm. This yeah, is, this is pre iPad Pro time. Yeah, it doesn't
1: it doesn't make any sense. I actually wonder someone should someone should find where is the first time that I had an iPad on the desk. I don't I don't know which video mm. it would have been, and I'd be curious to know because there are older ones where you can see that I still show myself using a laptop in various shots. But I don't know when I first put the iPad on the desk. I'm not sure when that happened. But yeah, so but so that was a little that was a little editing glitch that occurred in the process of animation. Not fatal, obviously. I didn't feel the need to pull the whole video well, because of it. <laughs>
0: that's debatable, at least.
1: But yes, there there are, there are things that a few very eagle-eyed people did notice that were uh, a little bit different with this animation or, um, yeah, just a little bit out of the ordinary. And yeah, but so that's, that was partly uh, because I was working with somebody else, which was a very interesting process. And I also have to say that this video would never ever have occurred were it not for being able to work with someone on the animation it just it was interesting but it, it like during the process of thinking about am i actually going to do a video on brexit like what might this look like how might it how might it come to be i was really aware that had i not gotten to this stage that i was at with filtering down a list of people to work with and seriously being able to consider working with some of them. uh, There's no way I would have considered a Brexit video. It just it just wouldn't have even been remotely feasible. Why? It wouldn't have been feasible because of the time frame of producing something like this.
0: Yeah. So if you will allow me to pull back the curtain a little bit, will you allow me to do that? Okay. I don't know
1: how much of the curtain you're going to pull back. (laughs) (laughs) we were
0: talking about this video Mm -hmm. you you sent me a a script to look over because me and you have been talking about brexit a bunch um and maybe i've followed some of the news more than you have which again between me and you it's not very much uh (laughs) but i've been kind of looking at it and i looked over the script and then things started to come together like super quickly like way faster than usual for you Which, that raised my eyebrows in the first instance, right? Like, when I knew you were animating, I was like, this is quick. Like, either Grey Mm -hmm. is working with someone, or he's decided to say, to hell with my hands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So this timeline is a lot faster, and that is very interesting, because we had previously, on this show, spoken about the fact that when you do this, when you bring someone in, you were kind of expecting it to be a lot of hard work to get them to the point where they could do this for you. But maybe that's at least if it's hard work. It's not work that takes a lot of time.
1: Yeah, well, it's, this is part of the process of trying to figure out which is the person that I want to work with, and doing just a little bit of initial feedback. And, and essentially, in 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 no small way, this very video was a bit like a job application stage of of saying, "Listen, let's let's see if we can do a thing really quickly." and uh, with the person I was working with, I, I would have known within the first day or two, based on what I was getting back from them, if this was even possible. Sure. And so the the person that I chose to work with on this, I was just immediately seeing like, yes, I think that this is possible. Let's just see if we can go for it. And one of the ways in which I like to try to arrange projects is to have them be valuable, even if they fail or even if they don't work out. And so when I was thinking about doing this Brexit video, one of the things I was thinking of was, well, if I, if I work on this script and I am trying to make this video with somebody else and it doesn't work out because of the animations, like if the animations are not able to be done in the required time and to the required quality that I need, at the very least, I have learned something about one of my finalist candidates right? So it's like, even if this is a disaster, it's not a total disaster. There is something that is kind of salvaged out of it.
0: The time money calculation works out. It checks out.
1: It checks out because it's like, look, I'm, I'm I'm essentially giving someone something to do under a kind of time constraint, and I need to be able to see what they're able to do.
0: Because if you didn't do this, you'd never notice about this person. And then that is counter to how you want to run your business going forward.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So my, my view was, even if the video didn't come out, there was there was still an upside to even doing this. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. It's like, okay, let, let me see. And it was also just a, an ability to see and to test a kind of quick turnaround. Because in the process of making this, I was looking it up and I think it was something like 11 days start to finish on this video, which is a pretty fast turnaround for me.
0: I think you're underselling that. Oh, yeah. 11 days start to finish is very fast.
1: It's, it's very fast for me. It's not a pace that I would want to work at regularly. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a pace that I would want my animators to work at regularly.
0: Your business so far has proven that you don't need to do that.
1: Right, right. This video was a case of there is an implicit time pressure because this video can only be produced so fast. We're trying to talk about a changing situation. And so if this is a thing that's going to take three weeks, there's, there's no good way to talk about it three weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Right, because too much will have too much will have changed.
0: Talk about a change in situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yes, the, the script did change several times over even the space of those eleven days. Like, yeah.
0: oh no, right, <laughs> everything has changed because now we have a prime minister. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that
1: was like curse you, increasing stability of the world. This is not what I want from my script. My script is based on the premise that there won't be a prime minister for several months, but somehow this has just changed overnight. <laughs> I have to say,
0: well, I knew this was. Coming together, I just every every few hours I would just go to the BBC News homepage and just Mm -hmm. see and would just keep sending you articles. I was like, (laughs) I felt a duty. I was like, I know you're not looking. Like you need to know if we have a prime minister.
1: (laughs) Yes, uh, I was I was glad to be kept up to date. But so all of this is just a long way of saying that I, I couldn't have possibly considered doing this video on my own because essentially the animator was working simultaneously on this as I was writing the script. And so that meant that I was kind of burning some of his work when I was making changes. But it was still like, we are each trying to get towards the thing at the same time. And he only had the the final audio the the evening before it was supposed to go up, right? But, but kept working off of my drafts and storyboards and things. So this this is why it was able to be done, because if that hadn't occurred... It took me 11 days to get a finished script. And then if I had to sit down and animate it, that would have been, especially because it's a longer video than normal, that would have been... Close to a week, maybe? Yeah. I'm going to say close to a week if I was if I was really pushing it and not caring at all about my hands. And then,
0: in all honesty, you had to have rewritten the script again.
1: Like, Yeah, the, but... That's, yeah. Yeah.
0: There's no way it would have worked.
1: <laughs> that's exactly it. An additional week would have meant too much changing in the political situation. I would have gone back to, to go to the audio and like, guess what? This loop will just continue forever. Yep. You, you can't fix this audio and this script fast enough to also be able to animate whatever the changes are and you're just going to get stuck in this forever.
0: I want to talk about some of the practicalities of this process mm-hmm. because this is a, a way that you have worked um, very closely with someone in a different way to before. You know, like me and you work quite closely with sending audio files back and forth, but not at the speed and pace and frequency. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not making an edit and then sending it to you, and then you don't make an edit and send it to me. Like, I just Mm -hmm. do the full show and then send it to you, and then you take a look at the full show. We're not like taking little blocks and chopping them up and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which is what I assume was a little bit more of what was happening with the animator. Mm -hmm. That you were kind of sending it back and forwards to them, and they were checking things with you. You were sending them edits. They were making more edits. You were checking them, that kind of thing. So, how was that process going backwards and forwards? How were you communicating? How were you transferring files? That kind of thing.
1: Okay. So, here here was the rough process. This would have been the Friday before the video went up. So, like a week week earlier. I had finished what I thought was a, a pretty decent rough script for a video. This is, this is a stage I always have to get to, which is a bit of a, a proof of concept. Like, is there something to talk about here? Like, I'm not, a, I'm not exactly sure there was, there was a great thing to talk about. And so I eventually settled on this idea of talking about it in terms of bets. And then I thought, OK, maybe, maybe there's a thing to discuss here. So let me just try to see if I can find a script. And sometimes in this process, I discover, like, actually, no, there really isn't anything to talk about. But so I had about 1,500 words for a script that I thought, okay, this is enough that I can look at this and I can say, go, like we can try to do this. And so the first the first stage was just doing a very rough storyboard for if this rough script is to become a video, what are the things that are going to be needed on screen? Right, what, what are the items that we're talking about? And so like, how is... Entering and leaving the EU going to be conceptualized. How how are the political parties going to be shown? How are all of these elements going to be on screen? And there's a way you can do that, which is to just just do it by stick figures. And so I largely turned that over to the animator and said, "Storyboard this out for me." And and that was kind of like my first test of of seeing, can you get back to me a storyboard on this rough script that looks reasonable to me and and the answer was yes and so when i got back a storyboard that looked reasonable it's like okay we're gonna go what does a storyboard look like a storyboard just looks like a bunch of hand-drawn boxes with little stick figures in it and uh, like just the roughest possible drawing that you could have Mm -hmm. of what is going to happen in each section of the script we had that and then the way it worked was that i just spent the (laughs) each morning working on the script Each afternoon, trying to keep up a little bit with politically what's going on and reading. And then each evening, working on the script again. So I was doing, like, two major writing and one, like, reading section each day. So this was, like, my cycle of going through it. And while I was doing that, the animator wasn't trying to animate the video directly, but was instead trying to create all of the pieces that would need to be assembled at the end. So... Th- this is how this was able to be done there's a way to work on the animations without having to actually be animating like each frame that's going to occur it's it's more like create the pieces that will be frantically assembled together at the last possible second but you know 90% of the work has been done in the creation of the assets that are going to be on screen right so that's that's the way this was working i kept messaging him every time i had done a major revision just said, okay, here's here's the stuff that's changed. If you were working on these assets, like this thing is no longer, no longer needs to be there. So just dump it if you're working on it. Uh, and and here's anything new that will need to be created. And so, so and a perfect example is like, oh, we need a prime minister now, right? There was no reference to a prime minister in this script. But now we need something for the prime minister to do. And, yeah. and there needs to be some reference to her.
0: Or now, yeah, now there needs to be a specific prime minister. Right,
1: <laughs> right. There doesn't need to be a a generic nobody's doing the job prime minister.
0: Yeah, and so that is
1: that is roughly how it went. And as the days as the days went on, uh, more and more assets were created. And then there's parts of the script which look very unlikely to change, and so those start getting created into different into different slides. And it all it all starts coming together until the very end, where the day before I'm able to say, okay, here is the final audio, and animate it against this. like So now we know what the timings need to be for how long it takes me to say each individual
0: part. And I'm assuming you're communicating via Slack, transferring files by Dropbox. This is Yeah, this is an entirely Slack Dropbox project,
1: which so it's always kind of amazing to me that, again, you can work with someone just anywhere randomly in the world. Yep. I was like, yeah, but we have like instant messaging platform. Uh, files can be transferred back and forth immediately. There's, there's even little things that I just... I don't know. I, 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 I still feel like it's slightly magical that I can get a message from a guy who's like, oh, hey, I need that scroll that you use all the time. And I can open up my phone, like drill down into Dropbox where I keep that copy it over into the shared folder that we have. And then he gets it seconds later. Right. And I, But I'm like walking to my house,
0: uh, just doing this on my phone with one hand. As a step on from that, like that the way that improves the collaboration process between you and this person's amazing because now they never need to ask for that again. Yeah, this exactly. is the idea of the assets, right? right. Like, and eventually, like, they, you just don't need to give anything like that anymore because they have it all, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, there was... I mean, my description might sound a little bit, like, rushed and chaotic. And I have to say, this was definitely a little bit rushed and chaotic. There were a bunch of ways we were doing stuff that, uh, you know, we were talking at the time, like, this is not how we're normally going to do this if we work together in the future. But you don't have processes yet. Yeah, but it was a question of... Is there just a super fast way to do it right now? Just do it that way, even if this is not a good way to do things in the future. Because what what matters is we need this up by Friday. Like we cannot afford an additional weekend news cycle. So just whatever is fastest, just do that. That's what we're going to do.
0: And at the end of it, you just delivered a video file.
1: Yes. The way we did it this time was I was delivered a video file just as just a straight up uh, MP4 that I imported into Final Cut Pro, added a few things that I needed to do, added in a couple of little transitions that I wanted in there, and then then I re-exported again and uploaded to YouTube. That's a perfect example of this is a terrible way to normally do it, but this is the fastest way to just do it now. Uh, But it's like, get it done. Great. Just send me an MP4 file. Like We don't have time to, to deal with... Uh, you know, like me re-re-rendering it on my end, like, nope, it's actually it's actually faster to just send it across the internet as an MP4. Let's just do it that way.
0: Did it feel pretty good, though?
1: I was just pleased that it was done, and I've been thinking about it a lot, that it's... I don't really like doing super fast turnaround stuff. I find it very stressful. I really don't like playing any games with the news cycle. But it was it was interesting and useful to have done this one this time just to see that it's possible and, and to have that as a, a
0: thing to keep in mind for the future because you're there, there are things that you focus on that every few years there is a video like this that should be made like an election occurs Mm -hmm. and something crazy happens in the election. like That is so within your wheelhouse. It Mm -hmm. just makes sense for you to have a video about it. It's why everybody really wanted a Brexit video from you, right? Because there are so many elements of Brexit which fall directly into CGP Grey's video wheelhouse, right? There a really interesting election that's done in a certain way. Movements between countries, like mm-hmm. political it all kind of ties together so nicely. Mm-hmm. That's why everybody wanted it. And it's good to know now that you at least in your back pocket have the ability to have a video from conception to delivery in like 10 days. It's just a good thing yeah. to know you can do which you couldn't have done like this as you said earlier there's no way this video would have existed if you were trying to do it on your own
1: yeah there's there's
0: there's no way it's just not
1: possible i mean the, the fastest turnaround i ever did was the confederate flag video but if you go back and look at that first of all it's incredibly short right it is a a very short video that is is very minimal in information that, that needs to get out there, which is the only reason I was able to to even consider yeah, doing that two one. Two
0: minutes and twenty seconds.
1: Yeah. So it's it's like yeah. hardly anything.
0: It was almost like a like a second thought kind of video, right? Like it was just like, here's a thing, I have some thoughts on it, and it's done.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was it was very, very, very short. Whereas the Brexit one, because I really felt that the only way to talk about it was with speculation time, was to acknowledge and discuss The fact that there is no process, that this is all just speculation. It's kind of why I felt okay doing that video in that way. It's like speculation is an intrinsic part of what is occurring now. So let's speculate, like let's do that. Um, But in order to get to that stage of the video, like why is it speculation? time? There's enough groundwork that needs to be laid and enough stuff that needs to be talked about that there's no way that that can be a short video like I, I couldn't do a video where I just came out and just talked about the odds of Brexit like it 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 wouldn't make sense I think I think it needs it needed a little bit of context but then that's that's why the video is whatever it is six minutes seven minutes long I have no idea it's pretty long and I'm talking pretty fast through the script so yeah it's it was not doable on my own but doable
0: with somebody else how do you feel about the future now
1: one of the things when I, I think about the future, just in general, is the importance of proof of concepts, like just the the proof that a thing is able to be done, even if it is not done in a cost-effective or elegant or quick way, but like you have proved that a thing is possible to do, uh, usually with regards to the world of technology. And like proof of concepts are very interesting, and to me this... This is me essentially having gone through a proof of concept that I can do a video with having someone else do the animation if I'm able to work with the right person. Mm-hmm. Th- there are several ways that this has an impact on my work, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm still trying to think through precisely what this means. I haven't really come to a solid conclusion. But I feel like one of the main things that I had on my mind when we started this whole uh, hashtag year of less me was was trying to remove myself from parts of the business which are incredibly time-consuming. And this was one of the big ones that was like in the back of my mind as a thing that like, is this possible to do? And so now here, you know, just, just over halfway through the year, the answer is yes, this is a thing that was possible to do. And I could see straight away some of the things that were on my mind about reasons why I would want to do this. And and one of the big ones was, even though this was a, a lot of work to get the script done in this amount of time, it was ultimately, though, still a lot less disruptive to my regular working routine. So... I did need some downtime after the video went up, but it wasn't like when I normally put up a video and I feel like I have been drained of all Mm. of my life force, right? And it's like, I am now knocking almost like a week out of my schedule before I'm back to being a normal person. And also a whole bunch of knock-on effects of that has of just like... Someday we need to revisit the whole idea of routines again. But just being aware that every time I uploaded a video, it really punches out a whole section of my calendar and my schedule and my routines in a not helpful way. And so doing doing this video with another person, I was really aware like, okay, this was very busy. This was an unusual amount of work time. This was a big crunch. But I don't feel like I've just blasted a hole in my calendar uh, as a result of this. And so I think that like that has an interesting impact on the future. So I, I guess I guess the answer is like I am interested to see where this goes, but I can't say I have super solid specific thoughts on it now. But but what I do have is a successful proof of concept
0: and I'm I'm pretty happy about that. If you're not doing the animation or the illustration, do you feel like all of your creative itches will be scratched? So for me, there are certain shows that I edit that I can't let go of because I like to put my touch on them. Like the flourishes that I do that I hear. You know, my my little things, the things that I can't explain to somebody else, like why I feel like a sound effect needs to go here, or why mm-hmm. I think this part needs the girl from Ipanema. You know, like why that I think that stuff should happen. That's part of my own creative vision. I mm-hmm. guess, which is a terrible way to say that, but there's no other way I can think of. You're such an artiste, Mike. I you're know. Such an I, you know, podcasts as art, right? Right. Um, do you think that in doing this, in in handing over the, all of this part of the, the video creation, do you think that you might end up feeling like you're missing something?
1: I don't know. Uh, that's hard to project in the future. But again, in, in this world of a proof of concept... One of the things in the proof of concept stage was giving feedback on the storyboards, for example. Like before anything starts to get animated, like here's changes that need to be made or, you know, this this needs to be different. This needs to be different. And that was an interesting thing to see where it's the same feeling of. I don't know why I, I need or want this section to be different, but I just feel it's better if it's shown this way versus that way and i didn't i didn't do a ton of that but it was again just i think part of the process of trying to work with somebody else and and getting into the experience of like giving a list of changes right seeing what comes back seeing seeing how that goes and i can see that being just fine in the future working on rough storyboards with somebody else and doing a bunch of feedback in that stage and and feeling totally fine with that Uh, That the the end result with the animations is what I want and in lots of little details is better than something that I could produce on my own. So I, I don't necessarily worry that I'm going to feel like, oh, I don't have an expression for my creative side. I'm not too concerned about that. But maybe I'm wrong. It's hard to know your future self.
0: You definitely have a creative flair for making your little jokes and stuff that you do and i just wonder like can you explain that to someone easily
1: yeah yeah again there's 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 many ways where we'll have to see in the in the future developing an actual process for working together with other people as a, as opposed to just like oh god let's get it up right now uh and i think that that'll be part of of what this is of when i'm writing a script i often like i always say like i have a very clear idea in my head of what it is that I want up on screen. So I think part of the process in the future might be figuring out a way to communicate what I think are the most important parts of that. like what I am saying these words and these words, they look on paper, like they don't work, but I think they will work if this is on the screen when I'm saying them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like that, that is a thing that comes up all the time when I'm writing is being aware of words that just don't work if the right thing isn't on the screen.
0: So you feel like you have that vision when you're writing rather than when you're animating? Yes, exactly. Well, then that's going to be great for you then, right? Because for me, like, I only get some of those thoughts when I'm actually hearing the audio go through, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, oh, this would work really great here. Mm -hmm. So that's when I do it. But if you're seeing it when you're writing, then you're still probably going to get the majority of that creativity out. Right, right. Listening to you here talk about this and knowing kind of the the process that you've been through, and you know, as our listeners have heard us go along this, I mean, and seeing the output, I think the future is very bright. Yeah, maybe.
1: I don't know. My my feeling is just things are are different, and
0: are just looking back at the conversations that we've had over the last few months, mm-hmm. what you have here. Is exactly what you were looking for, like at a base level. Somebody has created a video that looks like one of your videos, Mm -hmm. is maybe of even higher quality than some of them. Mm -hmm. And it's worked perfectly. And they've not diverged from you. You know, we haven't got red stick figures. Like this, (laughs) you know, they're not doing something crazy. All of the additions are great. Speculation time again, best thing ever. You know, all of this stuff has worked, and, mm-hmm. and it's output something that not only is good, is something, as we've said many times, you couldn't have done. Mm-hmm. So, this has been like a net win for the business.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. I definitely think so. So, I, I think, like, what I, I don't know if in a, in a year from now I will exactly be in this position, but... Going forward, I, I would like ideally to do as little of the animation as possible for for all of the various reasons we have discussed on previous shows. And it seems to me that there is a way to do that now uh, that is real. So I am, I am looking forward to seeing how this goes.
0: I feel like you're underplaying this. Yeah? I mean, you might just want to be uh, conservative about it, but this just seems like perfect. Like, you've done it, mm-hmm. and it's worked, and now you're, you're able to do more than you've ever been able to do before. Like, this just seems like an absolute unbridled victory. <laughs> I'm a cautious person, Mike. I know you are. I mean... That's all this is. <laughs> I just can't believe how you're not, like, you know, running down the road clicking your heels. Like, this is exactly what you were looking for first try. <laughs> right this is amazing. I'm very excited for you. I'm 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 glad you're very excited for me. I am also happy. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by FreshBooks, the company on a mission to help small business owners save time and avoid the stress that comes with running their businesses. Let's say you have a small business or maybe you do freelance work or basically if you ever need to send invoices to people, you need FreshBooks because all you need to do is grab an account which you can get super easily and with 30 days of unrestricted use, when you go to freshbooks.com cortex, you'll be able to get access straight away and you will be sending out invoices in a flash. It takes just 30 seconds to create and send an invoice. And when you add all of the myriad of payment solutions, all of the different ways that you can get people to pay you, once they're all added in, you'll be able to get paid super quickly too. So you have your invoice set up and sent out quickly, and then you'll be paid quickly as well. In fact, FreshBooks customers get paid five days faster on average. That is nice. That's basically a week, right? You'll get paid basically a week quicker that is a nice feeling. You can see if somebody's looked at an invoice, so no more lost invoices or no more, hey, I didn't see that When You can see if somebody has or not. You don't even need to send those awkward emails anymore like, hey, have you seen my invoice? You'll know because it will be written right there in FreshBooks. They have tons of third-party integrations. They have time tracking if you need that, and it will help you send out invoices based on the time that you've allotted and billed. You can also keep track of your expenses. They have account reconciliation if you're in the US. It is so awesome. I use FreshBooks, every single week. To send out our invoices. We use it to reconcile our transactions. We absolutely love it here at Relay FM, and I think that you will too. FreshBooks is offering that thirty-day free trial to listeners of this show with no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com/cortex, and when you sign up, please enter Cortex in the "How you heard about us" section, so FreshBooks knows that you came to them from this show. Thank you to FreshBooks for their continued support of Cortex and Relay FM. So in what will be regarded as a classic Cortex moment uh, from the last episode where you got very upset um, about Evernote, uh, it has brought people out in their droves to recommend other services to you Yeah. as a replacement for Evernote. Yeah. So I kind of... what First off, are you totally ditching it? Like, uh, have you made the decision? Is it dead to you? Is Evernote gone? I mean, look, look, here's...
1: The the short answer to this is no, right? Like I I spent after that episode a a a long frustrating weekend trying my darndest to find a solution to this, and uh, the the closest thing by far is OneNote, and I was like I am determined to make OneNote work, but there are a few things that that are just total deal breakers about the way OneNote works. I think that Evernote is really just a tool that sits at a unique place. That there there really isn't anything else that does all of the things that it does. It's just deeply unfortunate that Evernote is at a company that I don't feel like I can trust very much. And that does not do a great job with the uh, iPad implementation of their app and has dumb limits. And so... The, the end result of what it is that I'm going to do so far is, since there is nothing that I can switch to right now, and since this is still a tool that I need to keep using, uh, a bunch of people very helpfully pointed out that there are ways to try to get around these Evernote limitations by using tags. So instead of having individual notebooks for things, you can instead tag all of your notes and that there is some ridiculous limit on the number of tags. So it's like 10,000 or 100,000 tags. I don't remember exactly, but the limit is very, very high. So like I can kick the can down the road to 10 years from now, Gray, who has to worry about what happens when he runs up against the 10,000 tag limit in Evernote and has well, another Evernote little freak Well,
0: Evernote is out. a 100-year company, right? So you're going to be
1: fine. <laughs> right. They'll definitely be around in 10 years. And tags can be arranged in a hierarchical manner which I was not aware of because it's not something that you can do on the iPad. (laughs) It's only a thing that you can do on the desktop version.
0: Turns out, same with Apple Notes. You can have nested folders, we were told, Mm -hmm. but only on OS X. You can set them up and then you can view them on iOS.
1: Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff always makes me nervous when the
0: the feature... (laughs) like. So, I can nest the tags on the desktop, but I can't do it on iOS. It's like it got in the old version, but when they decided to make the new touch version, they decided not to put it in. Right, Mm. yeah.
1: Yeah, which doesn't make me feel super confident about that as well. Um, But it's really really just the result of... I, I think as often happens with tools that people use professionally and computer tools in general, that you can end up feeling kind of trapped by a tool that you rely upon, that there's there's no good way to move. And with Evernote, there's always just some deal-breaking feature of trying to move to uh, another system. Like I'll I'll definitely give a pretty good recommendation to uh, Google Drive as well as as an alternative way to try to do this kind of thing.
0: Yeah, a few people wrote in about this. It seems like it has a lot of the features. So you can upload files. It's searchable. They do OCR. um, It has hierarchical folders. It works on all devices. There's no limits. Um, Why is Google Drive not like an obvious replacement?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I played around with it. Uh, It's not as good as Evernote as at getting stuff into it. So, like, it totally chokes on a thing that I do all the time, which is, I would like to save this web page into Google Drive. Hmm. Like, it, it doesn't do the thing where Evernote kind of grabs a whole HTML copy of the web page, and then the whole thing is searchable. Does it do that on iOS, the, the web
0: clipping Evernote? Yeah, it does. Interesting.
1: I think they're cheating it in some way, but it definitely, it does do it.
0: I'm sure that, like, I mean, this is an annoying thing, but you could use other applications to get that stuff into Google Drive.
1: Right. Here's the thing. Like, there's totally ways to try to think about doing this. But one of the other things that is frustrating is the problem of how do I get all of my stuff out of Evernote? Right? Now, this is one of these things where I don't know if we've ever mentioned on the podcast before, but I have always been really annoyed at Evernote's claims of data portability with like, oh, don't worry, (laughs) you can export your data anytime you want. It's super easy. All you have to do is select one notebook at a time, export that one notebook, and you will get a file on your desktop, which is some custom XML file that we have written that essentially nothing else can read. (laughs) Like, but we've exported your data. It's like, not in any way that I find useful Evernote.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When I think of, I would love to get all my data out of Evernote, what I want is a way to say, export the whole database, and what you would give me is a series of nested folders with rich text documents yep. and images in them. But you don't do that.
0: Exporting your data into a proprietary format that can only be reliably read by your own application is not data export. Yeah. It's just moving it.
1: Exactly. It's 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 like making a backup, and they also do it in this really inconvenient way, but it has always bothered me, this kind of Evernote championing of like, oh, don't worry, you can leave anytime you want. But I've always known that that's not yeah. the case. It's
0: like, here's a hard drive of all your stuff, but it's password protected, and only we know the password.
1: Yeah, and it's like, yes, in theory, all of the data is there. Like, okay, I guess I guess I could hire someone to write a custom XML parser. Like, But this this starts getting into crazy There's land. There's stuff
0: that exists as well. Like, there are things that can take the Evernote data and turn it into something else. Mm-hmm. But you just know it's never going to be as you put it in.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you, just, you have no idea. And the problem with this is as well that why do I feel stuck with Evernote it is because Evernote is legitimately serving the function of this external brain. And so the way it works is it is not possible for me to really export and import into something else and feel super confident that everything has actually arrived because there's yep. no way for me to be able to check all of the stuff that I have put in it.
0: And you only find out it's gone wrong at the time you need it. Exactly. Right. Which is no, no good.
1: Yeah. And as I I, I think I said on the last show, I have something on the order of 3,000 notes. Like it's it's, it's a lot of notes to move. And uh, even some of the other things that I was trying, like they totally choke trying to import even, you know, much smaller numbers than that. And so, like, it's just, it's interesting. I I will still say for for anybody who is starting afresh, right, uh, at, at looking into trying to build some kind of external brain. I would probably recommend Google Drive or OneNote, and then you pick between those two based on your own personal preferences.
0: Can I throw Dropbox in the mix here? I mean, I know it doesn't have the OCR stuff, mm-hmm. but Dropbox is potentially an infinitely better service because the ultimately it's just file storage. Because even Google Drive, like, it can do some weird stuff with files. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you decide that, oh, it's part of my Google Drive system, I'm going to save some things into a Google Doc. It's not, what it downloads is not really a document that you can use, mm-hmm. is a Google Drive document. Like, the, the good thing about things going into a service like Dropbox is it all it is is just storage of files that you can then use in other applications super easy. Yeah, if you
1: can give up OCR and searching within documents my recommendation would be Dropbox.
0: Unless there are applications that can just take a document and OCR it on the fly.
1: Yeah, I I also looked into a whole bunch of this. I I was playing around with uh, creating like a little workflow in the workflow app to try to take a document, OCR it, and then push it into another service. But this starts getting into, again, like the, the, the use case for me with Evernote is very often like, oh, here's a thing that might be interesting. I just want to quickly save it. Right. What I don't want to do is to have a little barrier of like I'm invoking a thing like I'm I don't want to turn saving stuff into a conscious decision of do I want to get out of the flow of what I'm working on right now. Right. I just want to press a button and have it go.
0: This is when another device can help you. Like if you had like a server that could process that stuff for you in the background. Right, so you could set up something that performs a bunch of rules, and, and all you're doing is just saving it to a folder, but in the background, there's something else working on it that does it. And again, that is inelegant. That is not part of the multi-pad lifestyle to have this Mac Mini that's over in the corner doing something, but it would give you what you wanted.
1: Oh, yeah, and I, I have done crazy stuff like this before of having dropbox folders that say hazel is watching and then hazel invokes certain rules depending on what happens in there. Like I have I have done all of this stuff but I'm I'm ultimately like what I'm trying to not do is ending up building my own house of cards that's going to collapse someday because I'm I'm really I just I'm trying to have a thing be simple and and even if I build my own crazy system, it still doesn't get around the problem of how do I get everything out of Evernote in a way that is reasonable to then import into this new system.
0: Oh yeah. All of this stuff that I that I'm suggesting is if you're starting afresh.
1: Yeah, yeah. If 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 you're starting afresh, I, I I think yeah, it's I would suggest someone uses OneNote, Google Drive, or Dropbox if you're willing to give up a couple of features. Right? I think those are those are all totally reasonable solutions but it's just like what do i do what do i do now it's like i'm I'm even running like these crazy ideas in my head it's like what if i started a software company to make my own evernote like could i do that I was like no wait that dude that's you know what that is not an easier thing to do
0: right however this is on my topic (laughs) list for some point in the future (laughs) because so many of your problems would be solved this way yeah but
1: it's like, like i start i start wandering down that path and i'm like Hey dude, do you remember the time you thought maybe I should start a clothing manufacturing company right in order <laughs> to get the t-shirt that I want? It's like, you know what, this is not the solution to these problems is not I could reinvent the wheel, right? So it's it's like a question of do I want to start like a, a evernote competitor versus do I want to just keep Using Evernote, try to make it work with tags. Kick the can down a number of years, hopefully, assuming Evernote stays in business, and and do that. And it's like, <sighs> you know, you know what this feels like to me. It feels like when you occasionally hear about how some company somewhere is still has like a punch card system that's in the basement of of their offices mm-hmm. that the whole company relies upon, uh, a- and. Using Evernote to me feels like this. It feels like this legacy thing that I don't like, but there is no optimal move to get rid of it. So I'm going to end up continuing using it and I'm going to keep disliking it. But this is precisely why companies do this kind of thing or governments do this kind of thing where they end up using something that's incredibly out of date and awkward and, like, and nobody likes it. But the answer of what is the move to make that is an optimal move to switch away from this thing the answer is there is no move so we're going to keep using this thing forever and the the punch card example i don't even mean that as a joke there are there are companies that still manufacture brand new punch cards because there are entities out there that require them. Like this is this is actually a thing that still exists in the world. Oh, you
0: need to see what how a lot of uh, banks are run.
1: Oh yeah, banks must have the most crazy old software because who want- who wants to be the guy who's like, let's run a software update on the banking industry? Right? Yes. Nobody, nobody. Nobody wants to do that. Nope. So you have, you have stuff that is literally from the 60s and 70s running the banking industry behind the scenes, because it's like everybody does the exact same cost benefit calculation of, of what are we going to change to? Nothing is what we're going to change to. We're just going to we're going to keep making this old thing work, even if it's horrifically awkward. And so there are a few pieces of software in my life that are like that. And I feel like maybe Evernote is the absolute apex of this for me in terms of what piece of software do I use the most, but I'm also perhaps the unhappiest with and I think maybe Evernote wins that calculation of of all of the things that I use, so a little sticker there for Evernote.
0: I want to just mention something about apple notes as a as a mm-hmm. piece of follow up. I referenced that you could take your Evernote database and put it into Apple Notes, right? That is a a feature that is officially supported. Mm -hmm. Um, Quite a few listeners wrote in to say that they've put in the region of 2,000, say, notes from Evernote into Apple Notes. And Apple Notes becomes horrifically unstable and unresponsive around that kind of level. Yeah, I'm not surprised
1: because I don't think Apple's really imagining that anybody's using it in that use case of having 2,000 notes in there. I, I can't imagine anybody was thinking that that's, that's going to be what, what happens with Apple Notes.
0: I hope that they change that, though, because eventually lots of people will get to that limit.
1: Yeah, I mean, Apple is just dealing with the crazy law of large numbers, right? They have so many people using it that, yes, they are going to have some users at the edge case of of, of that. But yeah, so I'm I'm not surprised to hear that Apple Notes kind of chokes on Evernote size databases.
0: This feels kind of sad to me.
1: (laughs) That's because it is sad, Mike. Because
0: there's like, we've come to, I feel like we're at the end of this topic and there's no answer. The answer is I'm stuck. And that's that, I don't feel like that's how we usually do things, right? We're all about (laughs) optimizing here and improving, (laughs) but no, no, here we are. I mean, you're stuck. I'm not stuck. I am pretty confident that after my next trip, I will be cancelling my Evernote account Mm -hmm. because I'm very confident that I have everything that I need in my Apple Notes right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I've been saving PDFs in there and stuff and I've been, I thought it's been fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to make the trip. If it works as well as I hope it will, then I'm going to be moving away completely from Evernote because I've now been able to replace the only thing that it does for me. Mm -hmm. There are many solutions for you, but none of them are better, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that's why when you you say, oh, you know, the... (laughs) this feels like a like a sad ending i i am i am frustrated but i feel like the the core of this decision like with so many things is about optimization and and so the answer to what is the optimal move the optimal move is to stay put with evernote
0: is it the winning move is not to play or something? something yes, like
1: yeah, sort of, but not really because mm-hmm. it's, it's still paying Evernote every month. Uh, right, so it's not exactly like you're stepping aside from the thing. But that's that's just what that's just what happens sometimes. My only real concern is that I I do worry about the financial viability of Evernote. That enough people canceling subscriptions combined with all of their global offices and all of their people who do who knows what that the the company might just implode upon itself but i feel like okay well if and when evernote implodes upon itself that then shifts the calculus of what is the optimal move and then the optimal move is well you just you know you got to do something and you have to pick the least the least bad option um And so that that day, (laughs) that day is the day that I will move. But for now, yeah, just sticking with Evernote and having really positive feelings with that elephant icon.
0: So once you have decided that you want to be the person to create the next amazing application or service that stores everybody's text, or or maybe you want to be the first person that comes up with a website based completely around Brexit, no matter what it is, You need to go to Hover, because with Hover, you will be able to get the domain name that you need super easily, ridiculously easily, in fact. And they're going to have all of the extensions that you're looking for. They have over 400 domain extensions that you can end your domain with. All the classics are there. .com, .net, .co, .io, they're all there. But maybe you have something more fun that you're doing. Maybe you want to add design or .tech Maybe you're looking for that quirky extension like .ninja, or maybe you just set up a store and you want to start .store. No matter what it is, whether you want to create evercore.net, they're all going to be there with Hover. And then once you find that domain, you can use Hover Connect to set up your domain automatically with just a few clicks. No more digging through help articles and copy and pasting stuff to get your domain working. Find the perfect domain name for your idea. Go to Hover.com and use the promo code Cortexmas, C-O-R-T, E-X-M-A-S at checkout to save 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So many weeks ago, we spoke about VR. Mm. Um, and I've been collecting up just a few bits of follow-up that I wanted to mention mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. about this. So you will remember, of course, um, as many people have, the way that we described VR was like dropping acid. or at least you did. And, mm-hmm. and I was totally on board with the idea. A guy called Quantum Tunneling Dave on the Reddit has confirmed this for us. And as as Dave says, as somebody who has dropped acid a few times, I agree that the analogy is quite apt. Uh, I now want to try VR. <laughs> it sounds like it tickles a few of the same spots in the brain as acid. <laughs> so you did it. Congratulations.
1: So someone who does acid agrees with my analogy that it was like dropping acid. Yep. And which is which is great because I have never dropped acid. So I was just reaching for something. And yes, just, just trying to go with like, how how is it to explain a thing when you have certain experiences you just can't explain them to someone who hasn't had those experiences. So, uh I'm uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, someone is in agreement on that. Have
0: you moved forward with VR at all? Have you made any purchases?
1: Uh, I actually I have not moved forward mainly because other things have just occupied my attention and this is one of these this is one of these things where I feel like I need to I need to sit down and seriously figure out how this is going to work. This This is not a quick like, ooh, let, let me just add two carts, right? Check out VR and have it delivered to the house. Like this is a big thing about where is it going to go? Exactly what computer do I need? What equipment am I going to get? This is a thing where I need to sit down and spend an afternoon figuring it out. And I just haven't been able to have that afternoon. And plus, as we are recording right now, I am shortly leaving for America in just a couple of days. And so anything that would be shipped would just be sitting here for like a month uh, untouched as I'm out of the country. So I feel like I, I have mentally postponed this until I get back from America for the final time, from the for the end of the summer.
0: Yeah, I'm still waiting on uh, the, the PlayStation VR. Mm-hmm. I've already pre-ordered that. I already have 50% of the equipment. Mm-hmm. Actually, about 25% of the equipment Mm at the PlayStation, but it still needs a couple of additions. Um, So I'm just going to wait for that because if it gives me, as I said on the show, if it gives me at least most of the experience that the Oculus did, then I'll be more than happy because I Mm -hmm. won't have to to put another big spinning box in my house Mm -hmm. with a big Mm -hmm. fan and a big power supply and all that stuff I just don't want to do it so I'll be happy if I can just hook up to my PlayStation and enjoy VR that way so we'll see however something that I have noticed in the comments on YouTube and in the comments on Reddit Mm -hmm. is that the VR console wars have begun (laughs) I know I know
1: this this was a thing that just simply did not occur to me when we recorded or put up the episode same right but in retrospect seems incredibly obvious that that that's like just as in all human endeavors the tribal lines form immediately right so and so there were just an enormous number of comments about various competing vr systems and why they are obviously superior and why it's just like here we go like it's sega and nintendo Mm -hmm. all over again and basically
0: everybody was saying to us that the vive was better Mm-hmm. Um, I have some counter to this argument. Mm-hmm. Again, having not tried the Vive, is that most people, most people have tried the Oculus without the touch controllers because they're not available. Right. And so many people say that the HTC Vive is superior because of the touch controllers, as well as the room sensors that they have. Mm-hmm. So there's like the double part of it. So, again, it might be that combination of both makes it better. Uh, i don't really have a space where i could set up a htc vibe in my home so that is a mm-hmm. black mark against the vibe mm-hmm. i don't know as well like facebook they took us and let us play this stuff mm-hmm. i'm not seeing htc do it right <laughs> where are they oh, is
1: that is that that's what's happening here mike <laughs> that's a mark for me
0: you know <laughs> <laughs> so easily bribed you are <laughs> yeah you know it's it's a it's a point right in the call. <laughs> oh there we go <laughs> another thing that i really liked was uh, mm-hmm. people saying that the vibe was better because facebook was evil mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. locking down the platform and making exclusives for games and like nintendo and sega man like you know this is this is the same as playstation and microsoft right now it's all about console exclusives this is how the yeah. industry works. And as I say, I don't care if Facebook are evil. They had nice burritos. We had really great burritos on the campus that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I have no complaints.
1: Yeah, they had fantastic food. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and it is also it is also funny when someone's like, Oh, locking down the platform. I, as someone who grew up with Nintendo, find that find that argument entirely unmoving. <laughs> it's like I don't care Like, what's this? if a thing is amazing I, I i care if the games are good i care if the hardware is is great like gaming platforms are kind of inherently exclusive things i i just i am not i'm not convinced by that as as an argument so yeah I, I i kind of agree with that i may have the the chance to try out an htc vive uh between now and when i might be making a decision about what to purchase well, look at this now. <laughs> I will be curious to see huh, what that yeah. experience is like. I'll be curious too. I'll be <laughs> curious. Too. I'll look
0: forward to your report, Gray. <laughs> I'll
1: let you know, Mike. <laughs> please,
0: please, please do. Uh,
1: so, I, I'm, I'll be curious to see. But it also does. It also does have the problems as you said. Like i living in London, I don't have a room that is big enough to do any of this kind of stuff in. Yeah. Uh, there's just there's just no space.
0: As so, well, like I know that I move around when I was wearing the Oculus. Like I know that that happened, mm-hmm. but I can maybe over time learn to not move around. But mm-hmm. part of what makes Survive great is the fact that you're supposed to move around. And right. I just don't have that space.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I am imagining that an enormous number of the actual VR stuff that I will be doing is centered around the notion of sitting on a couch, yeah. right? And 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 doing VR in that way. And so the the extra salesmanship of you can move around with an HTC Vive is not appealing to me because I have nowhere to move around because I live in the center of a city.
0: I was doing some thinking about VR and mm-hmm. uh, my thoughts led me back to our old friend, American Truck Simulator. And I was thinking to myself how much fun it would be to play Truck Simulator with a VR headset on. Well,
1: I mean, this is a perfect... Sitting on the couch VR experience like
0: you know right? you wanted like the wheel and stuff. can you imagine mm-hmm. a wheel pedals and a VR headset you like turn around, look out the window, look in the mirrors man, it would be amazing
1: <laughs> yeah, by far and away, that was actually one of the things I was thinking about after we had our VR experiences. Just
0: me and you though, right like we're the only ones <laughs> <laughs> no
1: <laughs> I, I did really I did really keep thinking about that of like man. VR trucking is going to be amazing. <laughs> like I can't wait to do VR trucking, and it is also a situation that like this would work perfectly in my house. Sitting around, sitting down, I can't move anyway. There's there's nowhere to go. Uh, and then if I end up buying a PC for my VR equipment, well, guess what? Now all of those wheels and pedals and stuff that doesn't uh, work with my Mac,
0: right, it'll work with PC. <laughs> I don't know why you haven't done this already now. <laughs> it's like it's the perfect reason to buy the wheel you've always wanted.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, this will be the excuse. It's like, I would like to buy this wheel, so I have to spend several thousand dollars on a new PC and but VR I equipment. But I know
0: you've been close to that just because of the wheel, <laughs> right? And now there's two reasons. But a lot, a lot of the PlayStation stuff... A lot of the stuff that they're showing off is focused around like just sitting down with a PlayStation controller and the screen mm-hmm. is in the VR headset. And they're also promoting it that like non-VR games you can play them like that, and I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. Like, and it's, they say it's like a cinema screen in front of your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to playing games like that. I think it'll be fun. Just a just a different way to experience them. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. Again, this is where I just I, I
1: have had essentially no console experience since the Super Nintendo. Like, I, I have been just a computer game player since then. So I feel like I, I just I don't have a good sense of like what is a PlayStation capable of. What could you do with it? But it does it does seem like it's an interesting option to consider as an alternative. And and yes, that that whole idea of even if it's not a genuine VR experience, it might be really nice to just be able to play. The equivalent of I, I have just like an IMAX screen virtually in front of me upon which I'm playing just a regular game like that that might be a nice experience as well, um, so it's 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 interesting and that but this is this is all partly why like I just I just keep saying now that like I, I haven't moved forward because I really need to sit down and try to think about this I need to possibly try the HTC Vive before I do this I, like I need to make some decisions before I decide what I'm going to invest in for the glorious VR future.
0: Whilst we're talking about Truck Simulator, you saw the article that they wrote about rescaling the game, right?
1: Oh yeah, I definitely did. I definitely did. <laughs> I feel like no other podcast is going to talk about virtual truck driving, so this is our our responsibility. I
0: am literally opening <laughs> iTunes now to find what I'm sure must be the American Truck Simulator podcast. I, I don't, it I cannot possibly exist. Um, I'm taking a look. <laughs> It cannot possibly exist. Core truck. That's what they call it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Core truck. <laughs> I can't find a dedicated show. Uh, yeah, see, there's, there's not going to be one. There's not so going to be one. So, there you go. There's our next spin-off. Core truck. No, not going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. But, like, actually, of all of the ones that could happen, that's, that's the one most likely to happen. Yep. But yeah, we when we first talked about American Truck Simulator, uh, I was... Super happy with it, but I think the thing that both of us commented on was that it felt small. It felt like it was a little bit of a a, a toy America when you're driving between cities in the truck simulator world. That it it just seemed like, uh, I forget the exact timing, but driving from the north of California all the way down to Las Vegas seemed like it took far too little time. And then trying to extrapolate about what what does this mean for how long will a coast to coast journey take? And and what is what is going to be the subjective experience as the player of driving across this tiny America? And that was the thing that concerned me the most was that particularly the middle parts of America, the experience of them is that they are long, right? That that, that is that is part of what is going on. And so I have to say, uh In what might be, personally, the most exciting video game news of 2016, (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) the company-making American Truck Simulator announced that they are going to be rescaling the map, which is super exciting. So it is currently on a 35 to 1 scale. It's a 35th the size of the actual United States, and they're going to upscale it to a one-twentieth scale. So it's going to be essentially like 75% longer roads once you're outside of the cities. And that, to me, feels just about perfect. If you take the current driving distances and you make them not quite double, but 75% bigger, I am super excited by this. (laughs) I'm like so, so ridiculously happy to see this. And... I wonder, I will speculate that maybe this was like a plan that this was that they they released it on a smaller scale to get it out sooner.
0: Maybe a little bit like a proof of concept.
1: That, but that's exactly what I'm thinking, right? is like it, it already took them so long and so much time to get out California and Nevada that if they had to make them almost twice as big, it, it, that adds on a significant amount of time, and so maybe this was a case of they'll put it out there.
0: Will people buy this?
1: Right. Will people buy it? We know it's small. Will people care if it's small? And it seemed like a lot of the feedback was it is small. It's like, but it also sold very, very well, and and so you know maybe we're imagining too much of them thinking ahead, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was an actual decision of. Let's upscale it later if we need to, if it's even as successful as as we hope it'll be.
0: So, what is this going to look like? Like, say a trip took me like ten minutes; it's going to take me nearly twenty.
1: Yeah, it'll 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 take you like seventeen minutes. Right, right. That that's that's about what it's going to be, which is great. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's absolutely fantastic. And again, this is this for me is just such a game that hits a particular spot and the thing that i like the most is driving on the highways and so this essentially doubles driving on the highway time mm-hmm. and it's 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 absolutely great and so this this announcement was Super exciting to me, and I saw it around the time that you could download and make available the uh, Arizona beta, so you could drive around Arizona as well. So I was just like, I was like the happiest camper that day. It's like, great, there's a new state to drive around, and I know they're going to make this bigger at some point in the future. I'm American truck happy.
0: Okay, so Cortexmas has come. Summer Cortexmas. It is here, it's upon us. Cortexmas. Which means that me and you are not going to be recording... For the whole month of August,
1: it's glorious. What? It's absolutely oh. glorious, Mike.
0: It's not though, is it? Really?
1: Everybody needs some summer time off, and we're going to get some summer time off. Now, Mike, you know how I feel about schedules.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do I feel about schedules? You love them. I do not love them. Oh, see, I think if Cortex miss, if we're taking time off, Cortex the show should take time off. But, because I work with you, and because of a coincidence related to Relay's birthday, that is actually not what is going to happen this month at all.
0: I care about the listener.
1: I I care deeply about the listener too, Mike.
0: <laughs> but you care I about really your holiday do. more. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I also
1: care about a long summer of hashtag lots of travel and not fun and trying to minimize work doing that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But nonetheless, somehow the stars have aligned so that you, listener, will actually still get two Cortex episodes. Even though, even though we won't be around to actually do them. Because months ago, when we knew that this was going to come up, because there was a Cortex miss on the calendar, Mike and I recorded an episode in advance. An episode which, quite frankly... Right now, I have no idea what we talked about anymore.
0: No, I'm excited to listen to it, to edit it, because I have no memory of it at all. Like, that is my
1: feeling, too. I'll be like, wow, th- th- this is going to be essentially the closest I ever get to hearing an episode of the show as a listener must hear it, because I have no idea what we discussed. Just no memory whatsoever.
0: It's effectively a time capsule.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a It's a time capsule episode from several months ago, containing mysteries to you and mysteries to us. And that is going to be at the end of August at some point. I'm not exactly sure when. Uh, So at the end of August, you are going to hear an episode that is out of the time continuum and was recorded a while ago. And I thought, okay, well, it's it's summertime. There should be a little gap in the schedule. You know, it's good to mix things up. You don't want things too regular. People get bored if there's just a regular schedule that happens all the time. Don't you agree, Mike?
0: I don't think they do. I think people are satisfied. No, I think people, that they're happy. People
1: get bored. It's just, it's just regular. You got to mix it up sometimes. And I thought, okay, this is great. There's going to be a little gap in the schedule. Mix it up for the people, right? They'll love it. However... It turned out, we didn't realize until later, that the summer is Relay's birthday. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Relay's first birthday this year? Second birthday. Second birthday this year. Good work. Depending on how you count it. Uh, uh, (laughs) If you count it correctly or incorrectly, you know. Uh, Zero indexing? Wait, I don't know how to fix this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, that doesn't fix it at all. (laughs) I'm negative one indexing. God, two years. Wow. Time goes fast.
0: This show has been around for over a year.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a good point. (laughs) That's an excellent point. I guess in my mind, I still feel like this is the new thing, right? This is the newest project. So it's still only a couple months old, even though the the chronology doesn't work that way at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yes, Relay is two, as everybody knows. And as part of the membership program, we said that there was going to be, at some point, a special episode, a non-Cortex bonus episode and it just so happened that it is going to be when is it going to be Mike since I don't know anything it's going to be in, in a couple weeks it's gonna be mid-august okay mid-august that's right because we haven't uh 100 finalized the date at this point mm-hmm. but so if you are a relay member you will get access to the cortex bonus show in what should be the week off. But if you are a member, there will be an episode there. This is a non-Cortex episode. So we're not going to be discussing the finer details of... Trucks. Yeah, I was gonna gonna go for Dvorak typing, but yes, also (laughs) trucks. No, we're not going to be discussing any of those things. There's not going to be a secret care tech in which we answer listener emails. No, instead, we ended up playing a text adventure with Jason Snell, on a kind of wacky game podcast, which was a very strange but very fun experience and is totally out of the chronology
0: and is a bizarre crossover between Cortex and Upgrade. If you would like to find out more, we have set up a special page for you at cgpgray.com slash cortex special. But if you want to get a taste of this members episode we have also created a trailer. Please enjoy.
1: See you after the summer, everybody.
0: I mean, my instinct is to just kill him. And we have all six bullets. Mike wins. You have died. Game over. Ray, Mike, welcome to Six Gun Showdown. You're fresh
1: out of the drunk tank. You're standing in the rundown shack. Look around. What's in this place? Is there a refrigerator? <laughs> you are in the Old West. I don't know what a refrigerator <laughs> is. You see a broken bottle on the floor, a hook, a burlap <laughs>
0: sack you use as a bed. Tired and parched, you sit down to rest. A lizard runs over your foot, looks up at you, and says, Howdy, partner! <laughs> Surely that can't be right. <laughs> Blackjack is faster on the draw and hurls his knife into your chest. You have died. Yep. Would you like to load the game? Excellent. Yep.